How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the fourth ever episode of the Goat Heads Podcast. I am your host, Tony, along with my co-host, Zach. And today we got our first ever guest. We got Walt from the Sabermetrics Podcast and a member of the Charging Buffalo, an important yeah. member of the Charging Buffalo Draft Guide. How's That's it going, cool. Walt? Oh, pretty good. How are you guys doing? Good, doing good. Well. Glad to have you on. Uh, you get into some uh, really interesting stuff that we are not smart enough to comprehend. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, first off, uh, the draft guide. How was that whole process with the team uh, and everything? Yeah, well, it's our third year doing a draft guide, and this year, I mean, we had the biggest group of people helping out. Is also our biggest draft guide yet. I think it was over, like, 40,000 words, and I think we ranked, like, the top 100 or so prospects, uh, profiles on the top 32 guys, so – I mean, it's a pretty cool production. I mean, uh, we have some great guys helping me out on the graphics side of things that really tie everything together and make the guy look all nice and a uh, great analysis from our team. So it's definitely I mean, fun to see kind of like a Sabres-based draft guide. And, uh, I mean, that's what we try to do at the Charging Buffalo is provide a lot of Sabres-based content. So uh, pretty happy with what we did this year, and I hope uh, all our fans enjoyed it. Yeah, and it was free too, which is crazy for the amount of work that was put in. And it was free. Like, I know people charge like a ridiculous amount for theirs. So, very good on you guys for that. Um, so, we'll get into the draft. And then, obviously, as a lot of people probably know, right before the draft, there was a deal the Sabres had in place with the Ottawa Senators. They were going to acquire Matt Murray and the seventh overall pick in exchange for 16. And I believe that's it. I don't think there are any other pieces for that, but that kind of did not work out. Murray did not want to come to Buffalo. He has his right to say that. He's got a no-move clause. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I was definitely disappointed because I thought it had been a lot of fun to get the seventh overall pick. And one of my favorite players in this past year's draft class was Frank Nazar. And a trade up to seven would allow them to get uh, both Matt Savoy and Frank Nazar, which would have been an amazing haul uh, in the top 10 for the Sabres and two uh, potential centers. I mean, even if not centers, really good wingers down the line. So just losing out in that area kind of hurt a little bit, but I think they still got a solid player in uh, no Oslin at 16. So I guess it's not too bad at the end of the day, but I mean, just the fact that him having Buffalo on his no trade list uh, kept that trade from happening is definitely uh Pretty upsetting as a Sabres fan. Yeah, I don't think he'll be getting a warm welcome whenever he comes to Buffalo. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, like the no said, trade list has kind of just become Buffalo and a few other teams. I feel like any guy with the no trade list now, we just have to expect Buffalo is on there. Yeah, like, for now until it, like, that's just how it is. It's disappointing, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, from the outside, we're obviously not good. And then there's other factors <laughs> along with weather and even just taxes in New York State and a bunch of other things. So, I mean, you can't hate Matt Murray for that. I mean, he's a Canadian boy, or is he American? I'm not sure, but, I mean, if he's Canadian, Toronto's very on him right now. So, I guess he's kind of, kind of hoping for that. Maybe a winning team, just anything but Buffalo, I guess. So, Yeah, I guess those uh, Toronto uh, Senators talks are getting pretty serious and discussing like finalizing the deal so maybe we'll see something done in the coming days with that that'd be interesting to see toronto's got a big question mark in net now uh they talked to campbell uh they had a good friendly conversation but 
nothing from it. So that doesn't really mean anything. And Jack Campbell's a guy that he he is a guy to have in that. And a lot of teams are going to be after him this year. I was hoping the Sabres were going to be one of them. But with the term he wants, it's just not something feasible we can we can do, I guess, right now. I, I'd still love to have him five years. I, I, I really don't care. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. But I just know Kevin Adams has a plan, and I don't think he's looking for anything long-term. And, uh, I mean, Murray, I think he only has one or two years left on that deal, so it would have been fine. And then another thing with that, I was kind of hoping that they could even be a middleman, somehow still get that seventh pick and then retain half – yeah, in, in the middle for Toronto or any other team interested. So, but that didn't work out. So I guess we'll just have to move on, and it will just go in the book as trades that never happened. There was a few. I think we're still lining for Ehlers, and yeah, that'll more add that to the list definitely. <laughs> now, Walt, were you uh were you happy with uh, Kevin Adams sticking to his word and taking all the choices? And were you uh, looking for any trades? Or yeah, It seems like he's sticking to his word. He's building through the, every draft. He's he's taking every player he can. It, I, I'm a fan of it. I just wanted to get your uh, insight on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a good strategy. I mean, I'm just not too convinced that their current group of older players is really enough to kind of win a Stanley Cup. So I think really the best way to build towards like a long and successful future is definitely – to continue building uh, through the draft, uh, just adding a bunch of great young players to the system, developing them, and hopefully building a core that could help the Sabres compete for a while. And I feel like it's also a good thing for Kevin Adams too, because I think he gets a lot longer leash uh, with this type of rebuild, uh, just building through the draft more so than the Tim Murray type of rebuild where you build through the draft with like those top two picks, but then you, trade all the other picks for win now pieces. And then you really only have like two or three years to kind of prove that these pieces are good enough to win. So I think uh, Adam's strategy is pretty good one. And I think it should work out if all goes to plan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this drafting all these young guys and letting he says, I want, I'm not rushing any of these guys. I want them to grow. So I'm a big fan of that. And, I got all the faith in Kevin Adams right now. I never thought I'd be saying that, but he, he's really proven himself as a as a true GM to us. Yeah. All right. So first round, obviously Matt Savoy at nine. I was a big fan of Matt Savoy, so was Zach. Um, but to be honest, we are just YouTube scouts. We're we're nothing more. We we just hop on there, see like, oh shit, this kid's fast or whatever. But yeah, we're, we're not... child prodigies. We just. Uh, <laughs> draft the guys who do good in show so yeah so what were your thoughts going into the draft on Savoy I mean I knew he was a player the series would be interested in and he's a player I've liked for a while um, I think he had a pretty solid season with Winnipeg this year I mean there were probably a few times I mean really throughout the year where you're kind of hoping he kind of like take that next step and be like completely dominant and kind of like seal the deal as a top five pick uh, he never really did that, but he's still just a very good hockey player. Obviously, great skater. I think he has great compete, too, and I think there's a lot of fun skill there. Uh, his ceiling is probably the only thing really in question with uh, his production not taking, like, a giant leap this past season. But at the end of the day, with the ninth overall pick, you're really not getting a guy that's going to be an all-around perfect prospect. I mean, you're getting someone that, 
could turn out to be a really good player to develop properly. Uh, if they continue to improve in the right areas of their game. And I think that's exactly what you're getting in a guy like Matt Savoy. And I think he's adds kind of a much needed element to the Sabre system. Uh, they don't really have too many playmakers on the current roster or in the prospect pool. And uh, Savoy, outside of his great shot, is also a pretty good playmaker too. So I think just adding him uh, just from that aspect is uh, positive for the Sabres. Not to nitpick his entire game, but how was he defensively? Have you looked into anything like that? I mean, based on just like pure like tracking stats, I know uh, Mitch Brown of Elite Prospects just tracks like basic stuff like uh, defensive plays and like puck retrievals, which kind of alludes to his compete level. I mean, he ranked, I believe, like the 75th percentile for those. So uh, I think he's a strong competitor. I think he's got strong base to work with, which will allow him to uh, really be able to battle it out despite being um, – only a five foot nine player. Uh, so I think, yeah, really defensively, uh, it's really hard part of your game to predict uh, moving to the NHL level. But I think just based on what we see as Savoy, I don't think he's going to have a problem uh, defensively in the NHL uh, with his compete level. Yeah. And then uh, the, the Danny Breer rumors or comparisons are popping on <laughs> everywhere. I see that. So, I mean, if you can, be like Danny Breer, yeah, I have no problem with that. I mean, Zach and I were both pretty young for when Breer was here, but we know the impact that he had. So if if that can happen, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – you can kind of see the similarities as a sub-5-10 center. Uh, I mean, Savoy obviously is kind of a more established prospect, I guess, even though, I mean, Breer put up crazy numbers as a prospect, but uh, he wasn't really – it's kind of seen – kind of a late on the scene guy. I mean, it'll be interesting to see their pass uh, post draft. Cause I know Briere was a guy that put up insane numbers in juniors and was never really given a shot in the NHL until uh, with the Sabres, once they traded for him from the coyotes. And then he just kind of uh, burst on the scene there. So it's going to be interesting to uh, compare the two guys statistically going forward. Yeah. And then at 16, to finish off the Jack Eichel oh, – not finish off, but make it closer to done, the Jack Eichel trade. You got Noah Ostland. And when that happened, I I don't want to say I was upset because there were definitely some guys on that board that have been highly talked about. So I was kind of hoping for one of them. And when his name was called and when they showed the camera moving to him, he looked like he was like 15 years old. But – um. I mean, everyone seems to like him, and all the analytics guys love him. So, thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I th- I thought it was a pretty good pick. Uh, he's a guy who I kind of had rated in that range. I mean, I know the mock draft I did the uh, night before the draft, I had him actually going like 15 to Vancouver. So, he's a player who I thought would go in that range. Uh, he's an interesting player because he's uh, pretty small in stature. I mean, just – I believe an inch or so taller than Savoy, but much lighter than Savoy. But I think he's a guy who maybe projects more as a center than even Savoy does really just because of his puck support play. I think he's just brilliant in that regard, uh, which is definitely something you want to see out of a center. And he's also very responsible defensively too. Uh, Always getting back in the defensive zone, always making the right reads, which is also something you want to see in your center. Uh, really the only thing you don't want to see in a center that you have with him is really just his uh, size, specifically his weight at this point. 
uh, just a very light player, uh, doesn't really engage physically too much. That's definitely an area that could change. I mean, he's just turned 18 years old. Uh, he'll have a ton of time uh, to work on adding some muscle, uh, some weight to his frame and uh, continuing to fill out and uh, becoming an effective NHLer. And definitely seems like a guy the Sabres staff uh, really liked. Uh, it seems like a guy the analytics staff also liked. Uh, his numbers didn't really jump off the page as much as a guy like Liam Ogren or maybe even Jonathan LeCaramacchi, but there's a lot of people who believe that he was kind of like the straw that stirred the drink on that year gardens team uh, this past season. Yeah. I was going to say, I heard a lot about like how he was kind of like starting or creating all of those plays on that team with Ogren on his line. So that's good to hear. We definitely need more players like that in the system transitionally and starting everything. So yeah, I'm glad. I mean, obviously, Compared the, the guy to Braden Point, what else do you need? Oh my! Braden <laughs> have if you can have one, and if it works yeah. great, I and I could definitely see him at center. So you're saying you could see him at uh, center more than you could see uh, Matt Savoy at center. You would see us moving Savoy to wing, or yeah, I'd, I'd probably Savoy ceiling with that. Like, do you see him as a top three center, or do you see him playing wing with some of these guys? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say I think Savoy probably more of a wing at the NHL level, really just because of his size. Like, I don't know if he just yeah. has that in him to really be like that 5'9 center. So I think he'll eventually be pushed out to wing, but I think definitely top six winger is definitely a ceiling. Uh, I think pretty solid point potential too. I think he could be a really great piece for the Sabres. And then with Noah Oslin, I'd probably say – I think he could be like a really effective uh, second line center. I mean, I don't think he's going to be like a top of the line, first line center, uh, especially with the guy you pick in that range. I mean, obviously it can happen, but I think a more realistic ceiling for him is probably like just a very good second line center. uh, Someone that really supports their line mates. And it's really just a positive impact on both ends of the ice. All right. That would be great. That to finish was, off the first round, the Sabres took another center in Coolidge from Czech. So I know he was ranked high on a lot of things too. Uh, there were some other players available there, but I think that was a very good choice they made. He seems like a power forward. Would you say that's correct in his game? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's really just – he's always driving to the net, always just going full speed. Uh kind of more of a straight line guy than someone that will pull out a bunch of moves, but yeah, just a high energy forward with a high end shot and great speed. So it's definitely an intriguing combo of a player. I mean, I know uh checks U18 coach said he's got like the speed of Jakob Vrana and the shot of like David Posternak. Uh not saying that he's going to turn into a combo of those two guys, but <laughs> it's it's certainly a uh, good praise to have uh, from somebody that's coached both of those guys. So I, I think there's a really interesting ceiling with this player. I mean, I think it's largely due to his compete level and his shot. I mean, I think if any player has an above average shot in the NHL, I mean, they could be an effective player, even if the other parts of their game aren't fully there. And I think a guy like Coolidge, he does have those other parts of his game there. Uh, maybe not as deceptively manipulative uh, offensively, but he definitely has that shooting ability that compete, which will allow him to believe have a long NHL career once he does make it. Now, Coolidge was the one who said he 
sees himself playing in a Sabres jersey this year. He wants to play in the NHL this year. Is that do we see that happening this year? This kid is how old is he? 18, 19 years old. Do we see him suiting up after training camp or in Rochester? I mean, he'd have to have like some crazy camp, but I do think a realistic option for him would maybe be going to the Quebec Junior League. I know uh, Cape Breton drafted him third overall in the import draft uh, this past year, so I could definitely see him going there. I mean, I know it'd be a step down from playing pro hockey, which is what he did last year, but uh, I think it'll be kind of a good development opportunity for him to kind of dominate, but if he has a just an insane camp and the Sabres are impressed with him, I mean, maybe he could sneak onto the team somehow. I mean, we've seen very late picks sneak onto a team as 18-year-old. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly did it as, I believe, a second-round pick. I'm all for the Yuri Coolidge comeback story this year. <laughs> if he's saying that after the draft, hey, go go prove it. There I'll was a couple bold team. things said from players that we selected. Austin, his wasn't as bold, but he said two seasons in Europe and then I'll come over – for 82 games and and playoffs, so <laughs> definitely excited some people. Coolidge says he wants to play next year, and then uh, fourth-round pick Lindgren said he wants to win the Norris, so, well, who doesn't? But just a couple, couple takes from some of the guys we drafted, but some you can't be mad at to it. fill in our prospect pool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving to quickly, we'll go through the rest of our selections. Second round, 41, we were kind of hoping for – Maybe like a right shot defenseman. There's a couple names on the board, but they went goalie, which did not sit well with a lot of people, especially because they think he could have even made it to the third round. So, your thoughts on Tapias Lineman? Uh, I mean, yeah, I thought I thought the pick in that range was kind of not something you really want to see because there are a lot of guys I had uh, higher on my board, a lot of guys I was interested in, and I mean this goalie class this year. I mean, I definitely not really a goalie scout by any means. So I kind of just go off kind of what people who are goalie scouts do say. And I know uh, this class was definitely really on the weaker end. And even though he was a top goalie in this class, I'm really not sure there's a goalie worth taking in the first half of that second round. But I guess if the Sabres like the guy, uh, if they think he has potential, maybe it's worth it. Uh, it didn't really seem like he had the best teams in front of them this year. So, uh, Maybe that's why his numbers were a bit lower than you would expect for somebody to be the top goalie off the board. But I think it's definitely going to be interesting going forward. I think with a guy like Eric Portillo, uh, who will be a free agent at the end of next season, uh, maybe that picks kind of a preview of what uh, his decision will be. It looks like maybe he's a guy that could walk, and maybe that's the reason why the Sabres are continuing to uh, fill their goalie cupboard. Because if that's the case, I think this pick – Makes some sense. Uh, if Portillo does sign, this pick is definitely an interesting one just because I don't know how many young goalies you could have in the cupboard. I mean, I know not all these guys pan out, but with uh, Lukanen, Levi, and if Portillo signs, that's three guys who have NHL potential. And uh, adding a guy with your second-round pick in that situation is definitely a little bit bold. But like I said, if Portillo does walk, I mean, maybe this pick makes a little more sense. But Still not the route I would have taken uh, at 41. Well, it happened, and it's something we Yeah, we're bound for one <laughs> questionable pick a draft. Overall, I, the draft, I really enjoyed all our picks. So if there's only one pick we're complaining about, that's fine. And if he pans out, he pans out. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if 
even that, if Portillo didn't even make up his mind yet, or even a guy like Levi, if that will affect their decision, I'm not really worried about Levi just because of all the hype around him and all that. But I definitely a guy like Portillo, if he was even leaning towards the Sabres, I wonder what his thoughts are now. Because yeah. there's a lot more competition compared to the lots of competition he had to deal with before. So, all right. Moving on to the third round, they take Victor Nuchev out of Russia. So they got their Russian. And this is a guy they said they had a first-round grade on. And hearing that, I'm assuming that they also had a first-round grade on the goalie, unless I'm wrong on that. But, yeah, Nuchev, <laughs> uh, goal scorer. This guy's sweet. He's had a, so many goals. He had over, uh, he was well over a point per game, I believe. Could be wrong, but he looks he looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he was one of my favorite players in the MHL uh, this past season. His uh, The team he was on honestly wasn't that great. Uh, it's kind of surprising there is a prospect of his caliber on his MHL team. Uh, I know the MHL split into like a gold and silver division uh, for the next season, and his team was so bad they're actually going to be in the silver division. And he's really the only prospect of note who uh, – could potentially be on a team in the silver division, but it looks like he uh, will be training with his uh, VHL team for the upcoming season, which is kind of step above kind of like the Russian AHL. So he'll be there next year, but yeah, definitely a really interesting player because he's such a talent on a team that didn't have that much talent. So just watching uh, really any game he plays in, you really just see this guy just take the puck through all three zones and just rip a shot and just do uh, fun stuff out there. Uh, it's really not something you'd see in a guy on a team filled with like more talent, like if he's on one of the bigger MHL clubs. So I think that's what makes him such an interesting piece because I think most of the criticism about his game is really how he plays kind of a self-centered style where he's always carrying the puck, always trying to do stuff on his own. But I think a lot of that could really just be attributed to the quality of team he was on. Uh, I think his own individual skills are definitely – very high end. I mean, his uh, puck skills, his manipulation, uh, his skating definitely needs work. Uh, but I think it's work that could be done. And I know uh, I've heard people compare him to a guy like Victor Arvidsson. Uh, Arvidsson was a guy who kind of struggled a bit with the skating base as a prospect. And once he got to the NHL, he fixed that and became just a really fun offensive winger guy who just scored a ton of goals. And I think for a guy like Victor Noichev, I think that's kind of what you're hoping for with uh, him is really just becoming that fun goal-scoring winger that you could add uh, into your top six or middle six. And you predicted this a while ago. You were saying uh, this might be a guy they have their eyes on, so kudos to you yeah. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I guess I just got lucky. Almost forgot I <laughs> tweeted that too. <laughs> And then going to the fourth round, we got Matt Slingren. Um, Future Norris winner, Matt Slingren. Yeah. <laughs> Put some respect on it. Yeah. So, uh, I was he supposed to, was he like ranked higher than where he went? Is that something like uh, that? Yeah. I mean, I know at the beginning of the year, some people had him a lot higher because he was considered kind of one of the uh, top defense prospects in the WHL. And then, I mean, really, as the season went on, he kind of fell back a little bit, uh, really, because people were kind of skeptical of, I mean, really just his, uh, just like his hockey uh, skill traits, pretty much. I mean, 
he's got the hockey IQ. He, I mean, he knows exactly where to be in the ice. He knows how to play the game. But uh, really the thing that was lagging behind was kind of just like his individual skill level. So that's kind of why he got pushed down into the range he did. But at, at that point in the draft, you're really looking for really anything you can find. And I think just a guy like him with his mind, uh, I think there could be some NHL potential there. Uh, I don't think there'll ever be uh, Norris potential there, really just because <laughs> I don't think he'll ever be able to put up the point totals to even come close to winning that. But I do think there is potential for a future NHL defenseman there, uh, really just because of the way he thinks the game. And as he continues to develop, as he continues to work on those individual skills, uh, maybe he could kind of increase his ceiling a bit just in that area. Uh, I think, I mean, I think he does have like bottom pair, second pair potential if he does hit his ceiling uh, in the NHL, which is definitely something you take with a fourth round pick any day of the week. Yeah, I, I saw a little clip of him on Twitter, and I don't know if this reflects his overall game, but he did he had like a Jeff Skinner pivot when he was skating, like he was doing like that on the blue line, and he went up. So, how do you think he's a good skater? You think he'll fit in well with that? That's one of his upsides. Yeah, I mean, I think his skating, I think his skating will be good enough to get to the NHL level, but I think his puck skills and all of that aren't really up to par of what you want to see with kind of like a more offensive minded uh, NHL defenseman. But I mean, I think that's not really something you have to worry about too much with him just because I think he's such a smart player defensively that I think even if like all the offense and that stuff in his game uh, doesn't really develop as much as you want it to, I think he could still uh, contribute on an NHL blue line in other ways. All right, and then moving on to the fifth round, they finally got their right-handed defenseman, Vizvedal Volod Komarov out of Russia. <laughs> so they got another Russian. Um, did you have him scouted at all within your pre-draft rankings? I mean, I watched him a few times. Uh, when I watched uh, like Vujami Marjala, the guy the Sabres picked last draft who played on Quebec, but definitely wasn't somebody that – I had ranked, but may have been due to me not just not watching him that much. Uh, I think, I mean, just based on what I've read on him and I mean, the few minutes I've watched of him, I do think he has kind of some interesting uh, potential on the right-hand side. Uh, th there definitely are some traits about his game that can maybe contribute to an NHL role. But once again, at this point in the draft, you're kind of just looking for really just any type of NHL potential. And I do think he was one of the top names available on the right-hand side of the defense. So I kind of wonder if the Sabres kind of saw that a little bit or kind of like uh, we just need to add somebody with a right-hand shot. Uh, our board's kind of pretty similar between a bunch of guys at this stage of the draft. So let's just go with him. And I think it's not a pick that I really mind too much. I mean, obviously it's the fifth round, but yeah. – Definitely seems like he has some stuff there that can maybe translate to an NHL role. Glad to hear. And then sixth round, they take Jake Richard and Gustav Carlson. Uh, this late in the draft, I mean, I don't know much about him. Have you heard anything positive with these two guys? I mean, really, the one thing I've noticed with both these guys is really 
Uh, just their production. Uh, I know Jake Richard, if you look at his production relative to his birth date, and uh, really just the fact that he was playing like high school hockey in Florida just like two seasons ago, and uh, then he got drafted to an NHL team is pretty crazy. Uh, so I think just that fact alone uh, that he was able to produce in the USHL without really too much top-level hockey experience, I think just speaks volumes to uh, – his potential going forward as a player. Uh, he may be a bit limited skill wise, but if a guy like him can continue to find ways to produce going forward, I think that makes him a very interesting pick in the sixth round, especially as of August birthday in this draft. And uh, Gustav Carlson, uh, he's a player that scored just a ton of goals in the Swedish junior league last year. Uh, he was a bit on the older side for this draft class, but I think the Sabres uh, scouting staff and really their analytics team are really looking into guys that just put up big offensive numbers in that league. I mean, they seem to really like that league, really trust guys that are able to perform well in that league. So uh, I think Gustav Carlson kind of played into that type of pick. And in the sixth round, I mean, might as well take a swing on a guy that had over 30 goals in the Swedish Junior League. Yeah, that works for me. More goal scores, the better. Seems like a theme they're drafting these flashy goal scorers, this like just talent. They're, they they want the numbers on the paper talent. And I, I like it for watching the drafts in the Eichel era. It's it's refreshing to see goal scorers and, and Russians even. Like two years now we've drafted Russians in both drafts and Russia's got some great talent over there and Yeah, I mean hard in Sweden. Yeah. It's really it really kind of just a change of pace with uh, them drafting skill, I mean, really just their drafting patterns, I think under Kevin Adams is really just a huge change from the previous regimes, and it's uh, pretty fun to see, and it looks like they actually have some strategy going forward. They're not just kind of throwing darts on the board uh, with some of these picks. Yeah, speaking of that, the, I think his name's Jerry Fortin. You, the interview after the draft, he oh, yeah, broke down crazy. in tears. After yeah. That. <laughs> being asked about working with Kevin Adams. So I can only imagine how traumatic it was before. He broke down for a while too. He was like really yeah. choked up. Like that was, <laughs> that was nuts. I, I mean, wow. <laughs> What's yeah. going on behind That's great. <laughs> oh my God. The people in that office before were just. He's free. He's like finally <laughs> free. Oh my God. Well, good. I'm happy that – I mean, everyone sees it. Everyone can tell. But just hearing it and seeing him cry from someone like within the organizations, I feel is just special and cool. Yeah. I mean, I really think Kevin Adams, I think he's really great at that manager part of the general manager position. And that's something that I think we kind of needed uh, with the Sabres organization. I mean, he. I think he really recognizes – uh, where his blind spots are with running a hockey team. I mean, he realizes he kind of got this job almost out of nowhere. So I think he realizes that there's some areas that he's still learning on, some areas that he wants to know more on. And I think he's great at just uh, investing in the talent they've hired and just letting those people uh, go to work and really trusting in their work. And I think for a guy like Jerry Ford, and I think that's finally like he's finally has a GM that's really just letting – letting them do what they want to do. I mean, cause it seemed like before uh, is really just the GM's game. I mean, it was like whatever the GM wanted to do went and 
I, I feel like that's a vibe I get around a lot of NHL teams is that the GM kind of just runs the show and these teams have a bunch of great hockey minds and scouting roles and analytics roles, but those guys are kind of just along for the ride for some GM's power trips. And that's really yeah, not the vibe you get. To. Yeah. That's just not the vibe you get from Kevin Adams. I mean, he just seems like generally a good guy, really open to everyone's ideas. And I think that could make him a successful uh, GM going forward. Yeah. He's the first GM we've had that like, actually feels like a real human being I, like, when he yeah. talks, like when they interview him it just seems like a, a nice guy he's really good at the human yeah. aspect of this job which is which is huge building it building a team and building the vibes that you've mentioned and like the vibes of the team and not stirring the pot and keeping the locker room the same it's 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 a breath of fresh air and definitely yeah it goes a lot deeper than the team and the vibes there i mean Definitely need that in the office buildings as well. Those guys are going in there working for a losing team for years and something to smile about or just change and it's just better. It's definitely needed within the organization as a whole. All right. Quickly we'll do the cry. It's so refreshing. (laughs) It's making people cry. It's (laughs) all right. Seventh round, we took Joel Rack. Kovich Bernstein out of Sweden and <laughs> Linus Godin. So two more Swedes, um, seventh rounders. I'm not expecting you to know every aspect of their game, but um, <laughs> anything on them? Uh, well, I mean, Rackvik Bernstein, um, kind of like the Gustav Carlson pick. He's a guy that put up strong numbers in the Swedish Junior League last year. So I think they're definitely – kind of looking at that area, really just guys that put up a bunch of points in that league last year uh, that were first-time draft eligible. So I think he kind of falls into that range. So definitely a name to keep an eye on going forward to kind of see how his offense continues to progress. Uh, I know he had a great season for Faluna's junior team, so maybe if he continues this upward trajectory, we could have a piece that gets an entry-level contract down the line. And then uh, for Linus Sodin, uh he just seems like, I mean, he's an older player uh, for this draft class. So he's been playing games in the SHL actually. And uh, just from watching a few clips of him, he seems like a guy that just has great hands. And uh, I think that's a really fun part about his game. And I think that really makes him kind of an attractive uh, developmental piece going forward. I mean, with the seventh round pick, uh, you might as well take a swing on a guy. Uh, his ceiling might not be the highest, but he's got a lot of fun offensive skills. So it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, continues to develop. Yeah, I'm glad uh, they're drafting for upside here. It's it's nice to see they're just going for the things that can really like make sure these players actually make it instead of just going for some guy safe pick that could never work out. And also, if Ratkovich Bernstein ever makes it onto the team, I'm buying his jersey. <laughs> I just want that nameplate on the back. That'd be great. Be yeah, extra customization fee, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it for the draft. Uh, for the Sabers part of it, I know uh, in the first round, guys like Nazar, we didn't get to get, but um, we didn't even anyone... talk to Shane Wright. The whole Shane Wright dilemma. That was yeah. yeah that this was... is by far the craziest draft I've ever seen or can recall. Um, yeah, I projected to go first overall since he was 15 years old. He got exceptional status, and then he falls to fourth overall. Is absolutely wild. I thought that New Jersey was going to take him and have 
three basically first overall centers, but didn't. So he fell all the way to four. Uh, did you expect anything like that to happen? Uh, I mean, honestly, no. I mean, I was thinking about maybe even placing a bet on Montreal taking right first overall because I thought there'd be no way they'd go any other route. And, I mean, the fact that he fell to four is pretty crazy. And, I mean, I love when he went up there and stared down Montreal's table oh, on the stage. Great. Yeah, that, that was, was definitely great. entertaining stuff. <laughs> yeah, he says he has a chip on his shoulder, and how can you not? But uh, yeah. also something I heard from, I think it was Elliot Friedman, he goes, uh, he got a call from Wayne Gretzky. I think like, after the third overall pick happened, he didn't get picked. You, he gets a call from Wayne Gretzky while sitting at the draft, and he hyped him up and stuff. So that's crazy. So he didn't get a call from Wayne Gretzky. So, yeah, good for him. I mean, he was still a name that everyone knows, and he's going to be a good NHLer. So he's got a lot of people to prove wrong. I was so upset. I was sitting there, and I really, really thought for a second he was going to play at ASU. I, it, it, <laughs> I, it was so. I was so upset. I was like, Arizona's going to take him. It's too perfect. They have to. He's he's going to play at a college this year. But, uh, they went with their guy Cooley. It seems like uh, when you're in like like that one two three, you like already have your idea of your guy, and you like talk to your guy, and you, it's basically all you got to do is announce it to get rid of the formality of it, but. When a guy like Shane Wright falls, it's you almost got to fuck, fuck your guy. Go get Shane yeah. Wright. I mean, if you're the GM of New Jersey and uh, Arizona, you at least got to – I mean, they definitely thought about it. You have to. Like an exceptional status talent like that only comes around once every five years. So, Yeah, and Cooley was someone that was seen that could have a better career than – Shane Wright, they're saying higher upside and things like that, but still, I it's just crazy to me that it all happened. Who did you prefer, Cooley or uh, Shane Wright, if that was Buffalo's position right there? Uh, I mean, I think it's definitely close between the two. I mean, I'd say Cooley is probably uh, closer to my number two than a guy like Slavkovsky was, but I mean, I think in that situation, I think I'd have to go Shane Wright, really, because I think he was – a little bit unlucky last year. And I think a lot of the concerns uh, regarding his play and like really not being that motivated or interested all the time. I mean, I really think that's kind of a situation that happens with smart hockey players. Sometimes, I mean, guys that get great reads on the puck, especially in the defensive zone, really don't have to have that much of a visible work rate uh, compared to guys that don't have those great reads. I mean, they don't really have to move around as much. They really are able to read the play well. And I think that's kind of the case with Shane Wright. Uh, so in my mind, I think a lot of the concerns regarding his game are a little bit overblown. And I think it kind of happens when you're under a microscope as a prospect for that long. So yeah, I think in that situation, yeah, I probably would have went with Wright. Uh, I don't I'll see Europe good. Slavkowski having a, a great career. I mean, I think this would yeah. be a bad look for Montreal in a few years. I mean, we saw the right jersey. Somebody threw a right jersey on the on the draft floor, a Montreal <laughs> right jersey. I mean, everyone was wearing the, a shirt that said the right choice. Yeah. Montreal yeah. logo being the CH and choice. So that's you got to feel for Montreal fans. They lose on right and then they're shipping off Alexei Romanov in the next five minutes. So Yeah. I mean, but they <laughs> They got a 13th overall pick for Romanov, and I think they gave up another pick 
But they tied really that. They tied another pick in to get Kirby Doc. I guess that was just getting yeah. their young center. I don't know if because thirteenth overall was Nazar, so we'll see what happens with how his career pans out. But they could have got him. Nazar went getting, to Chicago. I thought yeah. Nazar went to. No, he was thirteenth overall to Chicago. Whoops. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, we'll see how those careers side by side throughout, but um, I would have preferred to have Nazar than taking a chance on Kirby Doc personally. But you know, I mean, I don't know if Kirby Doc was even worth thirteenth overall personally, but it happened. So, do you think that was a fair trade? I mean, the second half. I mean, the first half of that trade, Romanov for a thirteenth overall is absolutely wild to me. Yeah. yeah, the Islanders pulled did that. Lou Lamorello <laughs> is a respected GM in this league, and he did that. So, your thoughts on that entire trade tree right there? Yeah, I mean the Islanders they always do crazy stuff like that, and it's hard to believe that like Lou Lamorello makes all these moves, and like somehow they're always like a semi decent team. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know how it works out like that, but yeah, I mean that first Romanoff trade I thought was pretty wild. And the trade for Kirby Doc, I mean, I personally wouldn't have done it, but I guess if you're a team that really believes that he still has somewhat of a high ceiling, I could kind of see the argument for it. But I just think Montreal has so many pieces with a lot of stuff invested in them that really could just pan out to be like average. I mean, I think Slavkovsky will be – I think he'll be a good player, but, I mean, there's a very real chance he – never really lives up to that first overall hype and a guy like Kirby doc too, giving up a 13th overall pick for him. I know he was a high draft pick before, but with someone like him, that's been struggling in NHL. I think that alone too, will put a ton of pressure on him. So it's definitely a very real chance. Some stuff could blow up in Montreal's face. Oh, uh, I got some breaking news here. Jacob Bryson Ooh. resigns two years, 1.85. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not the biggest Jacob Bryson fan at all. Um, I, I like to describe him as like an offensive defenseman that doesn't provide offense. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, well, with the lefty situation, too, with what's going on with Ryan Johnson, I don't know uh, where he's going to fit in this. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting, especially since they're interested in Lawrence Pilot potentially coming back. Uh, there's really just no room for Johnson at the NHL level. If that were the case, unless they switched like multiple guys to their offhand side. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be something interesting to follow. And that Bryson contract, too, is a little interesting as well. I mean, it gives the Sabres kind of a little bit less money than I projected to play with in free agency because I thought Bryson would maybe get something closer I didn't think to a million. Make- yeah, yeah, I didn't think he'd get almost over a million. $2 million. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting deal from that aspect as well. I mean, Bryce was he was a Sabres draft selection, right? A fourth round? Yeah. So, how he's not old. I'm looking here so I can find an age. But, uh, wow. All right. He's 24. So, he's got, he's not done. He's still, but I don't know. I don't really have a comment to say. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. All right, some trades happened. 
before and during the draft as well. We talked about the whole Romanov and Doc thing. But um, Dabrinkit, obviously, for that seventh pick that could have been ours is wild to me. I think Matt Murray may have just saved the Ottawa Senators <laughs> franchise. But I think yeah. a, I was surprised Chicago didn't get a roster player along with that package. If you're a Chicago fan, uh, how do you accept that? That's <laughs> Alex Dabrinkit is a superstar in this league who scores goals night in and night out, and you're just giving him up for future picks. I, I, and the guy I mean, they took at seventh was a reach, too. Like, it wasn't – he was taken very early, that defenseman. So, I don't yeah. know what we're doing. I mean, Chicago's if you're wanting to – it all down there. They're not uh, – giving any offers to Kubalik or Dylan Strom either. So they're tearing everything down there. And they traded their two young guys into Brinkett and, uh, I don't know his name. Well, they doc. And then they're keeping Patty Kane and Taze for right now. Who knows what's going to happen with that, but there I would have a meme on Twitter, people. uh, with the Will Smith and the empty uh, Fresh Prince house, but two of them. <laughs> and it was like Taves and Kane showing up to training camp this year. <laughs> that is weird. I feel bad for them, but wow, I can't. I don't see them wearing Hawks jerseys too much longer. I, I, I don't know where where they're going. I mean, obviously, living in Buffalo, Pat, Pat, Patty Kane's always a rumor here. So, if he fits the vibes, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely they're definitely going to be gone because it sounds like they're going for just like a full rebuild kind of like the Sabres did in like 2013, 2014 and the following year. So I've got the dark race stuff. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they gave up all those future assets for Seth Jones, just last draft. I mean, I know it's a different GM and then they decide to go all in on a rebuild is just pretty crazy to me. And it's definitely kind of a wasteful start to a rebuild. They're already looking to trade Seth Jones, I heard too, and his contract like technically <laughs> hasn't even started yet. So. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't played <laughs> one game under his new contract. What's that? Eight years, nine and a half million around that. So yeah, that's not gonna be easy to move. No, I don't know. I was thinking something crazy along the lines of Jeff Skinner for Seth Jones, one for one, maybe <laughs> a pick, too, but that won't happen. There's no way. But. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea what Chicago's doing. I kind of expected Kane and Taze to be the first pieces moved for a rebuild, but it's just been I mean, everyone else around them, starting with Hagel <laughs> before the on the deadline. But oh yeah, I'll never forgive Jason Bottrell for that either. <laughs> Traded for two first round picks, even yeah. the Tampa picks, but still first round picks. So yeah, not even entry level contract. With a player like that, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> and then other trades were Avalanche traded for the rights for Georgia for a second, third, and a fifth. And they just resigned him today, three years, uh, just over a little bit over $10 million overall for the years. But um, I'm surprised that he went for that much, two thirds and a fifth. So. Yeah, oh, well. it's another goalie off the market, but I'm kind of glad. I don't really know if I can see him fitting with the Sabers or what. If that would even be like a giant improvement, but oh well. Yeah, then, it doesn't seem to be like a definite answer for the Avs. I mean, I think he all his numbers have regressed since he entered the league. He hasn't been 
anything special. But obviously, when you're going to a team like the Avs, they can outscore pretty much any problem. So maybe we'll being see behind a, a guy like uh, Shostakin is yeah not going to let you shine if you can shine. So right. who knows? He'll get his chance. And uh, oh yeah, and the Leafs they tri- sent a. Uh, Peter Mrazek to Arizona, and they only, they moved down a handful of spots, first to the second round. So that happened. Cashin went to Arizona, uh, swapped twenty nine to thirty two, so he had basically negative value. Um, probably opening up some space for Jack Campbell, I'm assuming, which would suck a lot for Sabres fans who really wanted him like Zach and I. Uh, what else happened? Oh yeah. Uh, the nicest man alive, Tony D'Angelo, goes to Philly for a second, third, and fourth, and resigns there. So, I have no idea what the hell Philadelphia is doing either. Yeah, well, you had be. a great tweet. <laughs> Your one tweet, like uh, Philadelphia is like a a chopped ingredients. Bin. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was yeah. so funny. Yeah, I mean, I really have no idea what they're doing. I mean, they got a bunch <laughs> of like. Veterans are overpaying. They're still giving up like future assets for like win now pieces. It's like they're a disaster over there, and they have Ristolainen too, which makes it even worse. <laughs> Five years, ten million in cap is Ristolainen and Tony D'Angelo right now. <laughs> and Torts is behind the bench next year. It's gonna. Philadelphia is much watch hockey next year. They need like that HBO special, like Hard Knocks in that locker room. I would love yeah. to see what happens in there. <laughs> And then the goalie market is definitely something crazy happening right now. Obviously, there were some of those trades. And then uh, Braden Holtby announces he's taking the year off. Uh, Red Wings traded a third for Huso's rights and extended him. New Jersey traded a second for Vanacek. What are we doing? And <laughs> like, I haven't, I heard our link, a link to Jake Allen in Montreal. I know he's on the block. But what are your hopes now, knowing that there's a lot less we can get now than before? Uh, I mean, I guess my hope now would probably just be try to make a trade that's not too crazy of an overpayment. Uh, just because I really wouldn't want to see them maybe trade for like a John Gibson type player where they'd have to give up just a ton of future assets. I mean, I know that doesn't really align with Kevin Adams' vision, so I'm confident something like that won't happen, but... Yeah, kind of just a guy that's just reliable in the short term because uh, it seems like a lot of my main choices, like Campbell and Huso, are probably my top two choices. And it looks like Campbell's not going to be a realistic option anymore. And uh, Huso, we got beat out by Detroit, who traded for his rights and signed him to that contract. So at this point, I kind of just like just pray for the best because I don't really think there's really any like clear-cut good options on the goalie market right now. You're either – going to get a good goalie that you're going to overpay for with either cap or uh, trade assets or like bad goalie that you'll get for cheap. So, I mean, hopefully they fall somewhere in between and give up not a lot of assets for just an average goalie, which the Sabres really just need just like an average goalie. I mean, they've needed that for the past like seven, eight years. (laughs) I mean, I think we're just running back that whole thing uh, we did last year. We just don't have good goaltending and, lose games yeah. to get another top 10 draft pick because next year is the best draft since 2015 which the whole first round was full of stars so you think we're doing something could we 
be doing something like that, like having Tokarski and Anderson play too many games this year again, sadly. <laughs> Lukanen maybe be the guy. I mean, I don't know. seems like that could be another route we're going. Yeah. I mean, it's just Anderson's 41 years old, so I feel like even if he is one of your main guys, I mean, how many games could he actually play right. without getting injured? So, I yeah, it's definitely scary, uh, the Sabres goaltending situation right now because they really only have – Anderson and Lukanen and nobody else. Yeah, so I don't – even in Rochester is a question mark. Levi Portillo obviously not signing here. It's kind of a yeah. bummer. I hope at least one of them would play there. But I'd assume they're going to bring back Malcolm Subban just for all the vibe stuff. But if they bring back Tokarski, I don't, I don't think they'll have three goalies in the NHL. So it would probably be a battle in camp with – Lukanen and Tokarski to handle probably 50 games and that's yeah <laughs> frightening if they don't do anything else but I don't know what else they would do other than maybe a James Reimer or Aiden Hill but even that is just average so, yeah yeah there's not too many names anymore that it's like you know you're getting this stud goalie it's slim pickings now and it seems like we missed out on all these names we were talking about before and if Campbell is still interested. I don't know if Sabres are still interested in Campbell, but he's one of the last guys left. But I see him going to a team like Edmonton or even re-signing with Toronto. I don't think he's going back to Toronto after what was said today. He kind of took a shit on that. He said he wants to play for a team that wants to win or something like that. They must <laughs> not want to win, so I don't know. Toronto does not want to win. That is not <laughs> part of their game plan right now. <laughs> but – uh, yeah, I'm kind of guaranteeing Campbell on Edmonton or even a team like uh, the Capitals. But other than that, I think those us and those two teams are the only teams left looking for a goalie, unless I'm missing someone else. Because New Jersey got their guy, uh, Vanacek, so we'll see. Yeah, I guess Chicago's tanking. I mean, they could use a goalie, yeah, but they're tanking, probably not yeah. a good one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll care who's in that. Chicago's not hiding the fact they are tanking this year. Yeah, it's going to be a race for Connor Bedard. Yeah, they they already said like it's a five year rebuild, all that. So if I'm Patty Kane and Taze, and I'm furious right now, I don't see how they could be happy at all. They wanted to retire there. It was a dynasty yeah. team, and it turned into absolute shit, especially <laughs> with all the other things outside of hockey happening there too. It's just that just seems like hell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really just everything that went on with the Blackhawks and really just to stay their current team, I mean, they're really just a disaster. I mean, the Blackhawks and the Flyers are probably, I think, the two biggest clown shows in the NHL right now, which, I mean, I guess it <laughs> somehow it's not the Sabres anymore. <laughs> yeah, those are two. I don't think the Sabres are even a clown show anymore. I mean, yeah. I think the clown show ended when Kruger and company left, but yeah, <laughs> that was our – now we kind of look like a a hockey team. Yeah, I finally. think the only thing <laughs> holding the label clown show to us was the whole Jack Eichel craziness when we're like just not letting him get the surgery and yeah, <laughs> all the awful toxic communication in between. So, oh well. I mean, I I think we're on the right path, and if people haven't realized it now, they will. I think next year they're going to come out. They're probably going to come out hot like they usually do, but maybe they'll stick to it a little longer than usual and make a name for themselves. 
And then Hopefully. free agency is coming up July 13th. So that's in, was that Wednesday? So, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do based on forwards because they have no room for anybody. I think they already have 13 forwards to include a guy like Bjork and not bringing back Ina Stroza. So I don't know who they would bring up. And they also have guys in Rochester who deserve a shot. I mean, Brett Murray got a little bit of a chance and Sean Malone, I guess, can get a little bit of a look too. And R2 and if he comes back, but I can't see them making a move on any forwards at least for now. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what the plan is there because I know Adams in that presser said he's interested in adding, like, any type of forward, like either top six or bottom six. But, I mean, they're really kind of full in that spot right now. I mean, if you call up Paterka and Quinn, uh, you're left with 13 guys there. And uh, most teams only carry, like, 14 forwards. So definitely going to be interesting to see what uh, they do there and if they make any significant moves in that uh area free agency yeah and then for defense i'd i feel like it's safe to say pk suban will be a saver i don't really know how i feel about it but i just feel like it's gonna happen there's nothing we can really do about it how would you <laughs> feel about pk suban coming here i mean i think he still has some stuff left in the tank i mean two years ago he had a really bad season in new jersey he bounced back a bit last season i mean really just all of New Jersey was really better. And I think that kind of helped him a bit. And they played a really uh, rush based system and uh, PK Subban really likes playing like uh, uh, really just fast paced up tempo kind of offensive brand of hockey. So I think if the Sabres continue to try to uh, be a team that creates in transition, uh, a team that tries to do fun stuff offensively, like they started to show at the end of last season I think he could be a guy that could maybe fit in Buffalo. Uh, one player I thought would be interesting to maybe see him with is Owen Power. I mean, that pair would really just be kind of like an all-out offensive pair. But I think it would be something that would be interesting to see. And I think uh, if you pair Power with another uh, skilled offensive-minded defenseman, I think you just get like just insane offensive results, kind of like we saw – uh, when they paired him with Darlene in like a few minutes in the games to end the year. I mean, when those two are out there, they're pretty much unstoppable. So I think it would be fun to have a really offensive-minded type of defenseman uh, to kind of play in a role with Owen Power and really just throw him out in kind of just a pure offense role. That would be great to watch. I would be all for Power and Subban playing together. And he's obviously a veteran, so he's going to – just having him with power and that connection they can build there is something that could be very big and important for power's development. He's still a young guy. So especially if Samuelson and Darlene play together next year, like they, I think they had Darlene playing the right side with Samuelson on the left. Didn't they for 10 the yeah. year? That yeah. was a great pair. Samuelson looks great. That would, that would be a great first and second pair uh, defense right there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Definitely a lot of fun uh, one-two defense pair. I mean, probably best one-two combo we'd see in a really long time in Buffalo if uh, Subban does sign here. I mean, I'm still a big believer in his game. Are there any more right defensemen that you'd be taking a look at, either free agency or trade, that you think would benefit Powers' game specifically? 
Uh, I mean, Ian Cole's another player. Uh, he's kind of like just a veteran uh, defenseman. And I think, I mean, really just from that aspect alone, I think uh, he could be a good guy to pair with power. Uh, just because I think really any pair powers on outside of with Yoki Haru, I think has the potential to be good. I mean, even as paired with Yoki Haru, they still put up like positive results, but like barely positive. But I just feel like there's so much there for Owen Power with another partner that, I mean, I'd, I'd really take anyone on that right-hand side with him and really just see what he could do just because I think he's truly that special of a defense prospect that I think he can – uh, get positive results with whoever you throw out on that right-hand side. I mean, maybe not Ristolainen, but anybody but that. Yeah, and then uh, we're going to have to prepare for a third pair of Yoki Hari and Jacob Bryson, so <laughs> that will be something to look forward to. I mean, Maybe that's... a good pair. Maybe a good, solid third pair of Bryson can find offense because he has those flashes in the game. You're like, wow, he's – He's really good. He's fast. He's quick. He he's a great skater, but he, yeah, like said, there's no there's no numbers to back that. There's just yeah, there's just anecdotal. And Yoki Haru made Darlene a worse player than he actually is. So I can only imagine pairing that with an unproven Jacob Bryson. So yeah, we'll just have to see. All right, anything else that we can really go over? Or is that really it? Oh uh, yeah, nothing too big happened in the NHL this week. Uh, draft some goalie carousel, but I'm excited for free agency. It'll be interesting. I just want to see where some of these big names go. Like, Ky- oh, we didn't talk about Forsberg at all, but eight he resigned. Game. Yeah, yeah. And we'll just have to see what happens with Malkin too. That he commented yeah. on this thing. Hope I don't have to play against you. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that should that should be it. Uh, Walt, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. I mean, we're just getting started, and you've been in the space for a little bit longer than us. So, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I had a lot of fun. I'm glad. Oh, great. Well, we'll have to get you back on uh, after free agency. Discuss uh, team going forward in the training camp. Oh, de- yeah, definitely. Love to be back on. If you want to like give a little shout to your socials and what you do stage sure. yours yeah i mean you can follow me uh on twitter at sabermetrics and then pretty much post all the stuff i do on there and i think i'm a pretty fun account to follow so just follow me at sabermetrics i mean it's right here below me i'll try to <laughs> point it on the wrong side yep but yeah, yeah it's right there that's how you spell it and yeah just follow me on twitter i guess <laughs> all right well Thank you again. We really do appreciate it. And, um, yeah, that's all for this episode. All right. Bye.